Welcome to season six of the Casted Podcast, where we are back with more of our very own users as our guests. Why? Because by becoming Casted customers, it's pretty clear how committed they are, not only to podcasting as a key piece of the future of their marketing efforts, but also to the bigger picture of how these shows all fit together into their integrated marketing strategy. They're the most forward-thinking brands that are harnessing the perspectives of experts with podcasts. And then they're ringing out those interviews to be amplified across all other channels. They're practicing what we preach, and I want you to hear all about what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how you can do it too. I'm Lindsay Chapkema. I'm CEO and co-founder of Casted, the first and only amplified marketing platform for B2B marketers. And this is our podcast. So, have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but it seemed like there were too many barriers to entry? Probably. But today's guests know exactly how you feel, and they have even laid out ways for you to tackle these challenges head on. I'm chatting with two members of the Refinery Ventures team, Tim Shigel, managing partner and host of their show, Fast Frontiers, and Abby Fittis, their director of operations. And they've prepped for launch of their third season that they're rolling out very soon, as you'll hear in the show. And they've reflected on what it took to get that podcast off the ground, the challenges that they faced along the way, and how they've used process, seasons, and partners to create a recipe for success for their show that you are gonna wanna emulate. Listen in as Tim and Abby share their experience and unpack how you can take a page from their book to put your thought leadership on full display. Hi, Abby Fittis, Director of Operations at Refinery Ventures in Cincinnati, Ohio, and our podcast is Fast Frontiers. I'm Tim Shigel, Managing Partner of Refinery Ventures in Cincinnati. That's good. Well, thank you both for being here. I'm just going to open up the show and just come clean that we actually recorded the first few minutes already. At least I thought we did, but I wasn't recording. So this is actually going to be the second time we start having this conversation. But luckily, see, it happens to all of us. Everybody who's listening either has a podcast or is thinking about doing a podcast, and sometimes you forget to hit record. So uh, if you're lucky, uh, like I was this morning, you only get a couple minutes in. So let's do this again, Tim and Abby. Yeah, let's well, talk about well, in, in the spirit of true confessions, one of our best interviews with a extremely successful entrepreneur who had a multi-billion dollar exit. We got through the whole thing and it was, I think a Friday afternoon and I looked and I, I no record and I just felt sick to my stomach, like literally nauseous. Uh And luckily he was super, super nice. He understood. And uh, we rescheduled and we did, and it was fine. Uh, So amazing how that happens. Right. I mean, it's, it's true. So we have a checklist just like you, you know, you have to have a checklist and just say, okay, Mm -hmm. Got to remember this, got to remember that. Just like an airline pilot. It's true. It's true. So there you go. If if anyone listening has ever forgotten to hit record, it's happened to both of us on this show today, all three of us, both sides of this equation here. Um, So yeah, let's let's talk about, let's talk about the show. Let's talk about Fast Frontiers. So um, what is it? Why does it exist? And uh, tell us about the show. Sure. So Fast Frontiers uh, is finishing up season two. And it is about how innovation is accelerating in unexpected places. And the brief origin story, and I'll let Abby, you know, talk more about how we do it, but is um, as a venture capital firm, you know, our main audience is entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, there's uh, an element of kind of getting our name out there a little bit, but that really wasn't the motivating factor. And, you know, the truth was that we kind of came to it kicking and screaming. 
to some degree because our main activity is investing and helping entrepreneurs mm-hmm. grow companies. But um, I started getting a lot of feedback that, you know, we get to talk to so many different interesting people and that people could really benefit and learn. And so there's an edu- the, the mission was really more of an education mission mm-hmm. than anything else, which is to, to share uh, some of the stories that we've seen and bust, bust some of the myths mm-hmm. that are out there about raising money and venture capital and entrepreneurship outside of the traditional coastal hubs like Silicon Valley. Yeah. So um, what we saw was that there's interest in that topic Globally, not just not just in the Midwest, yep. which is pretty exciting. So we've gotten you know great reviews for the podcast, and it's a great opportunity just to kind of share our network with other people. You know, people we know, and and like I said, take on some of the myths and uh, kind of flip the script uh, to help hopefully encourage entrepreneurs and give them uh, more information to help them be successful. Yeah. So in a nutshell, thought leadership. Right, you're 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 sharing what you learn. You're sharing what you know. You're sharing what other people know. You're pulling it all, all into one place and making it easily accessible to your audience of entrepreneurs that are not on the coast, like me. Um, right. Yeah. So so that's yeah, and we that's and 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 we're you know so excited about doing this with you uh, <laughs> because we've been really impressed with what you've been doing. The casted and we're uh, it turns out we're even a customer. So for full disclosure. Uh, <laughs> And it and it's been very helpful. And um, I think you know there is a growing trend of businesses that are finding out that podcasts and interactive discussions like this are a really great way to tell stories and mm-hmm. and um, share. It's engaging. And you know, a lot of people I talk to say you know they listen to us in the car or when they're working out in the morning. And I'm just, which is my habit as well. I don't listen to my own podcast. I listen to yours <laughs> or somebody else's. Uh, but I think it really is a great medium for that. It is. It's true. And like you said, and I think a couple of reasons that I'm so excited to talk with you is because, you know, I think people quite often, especially this audience, it's like, okay, well, marketers and marketing podcasts and SaaS, and there's there's a lot in that space. And that's true. But, you know, venture capital, financial services, healthcare, like there's manufacturing, there's there's space for and a need for for this medium and this channel and these kind of conversations that create these connections with your audience, regardless really of what industry you're in, if you have an audience and you have your, you have the ability to have conversations with people that are interesting to your audience and, and really be seen as, as the beacon, as, as the source of that data and, and really um, kind of as a trusted guide and trusted, trusted leader um, for your audience as they're seeking information because ev- everyone is, everyone's seeking information about something. Right. And you mentioned the the term thought leadership and um, not to suggest in a way that we're the smartest or the brightest, but I think the good marketers understand that now more than ever, authenticity is key. Mm-hmm. And it's not about selling. It's, it's about, it's about providing solutions or ideas uh, and that thought leadership uh, in a way to your audience that can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, that's good marketing. Right. It's not, it's not like the traditional marketing, hey, buy this, this, these are all the great benefits. It's, it's having just authentic conversations with people and learning from each other. Exactly. Exactly. And then using that to, to fuel everything else, to start more conversations. Right. So, so let's talk about kind of how, how it came about. You said you kind of got dragged kicking and screaming into it. Uh, What did that look like? What does that mean? Um, How did you kind of snap the tape and say, this is what we're doing? And uh, how'd you get started? 
That's kind of funny because uh, if you're if we're sharing the video, I'm sitting here in my studio, and I, uh, you know, musician, and any any excuse to buy gear, I'm all over it. Um, but the truth is that that's always been sort of the alter ego. It's not been what you know, we've. Ha- I haven't used it at work, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had done a number of um, we had tried writing. You know, we were we were getting articles published and. For me, that wasn't necessarily natural. We also aren't really heavy on promoting ourselves. You know, I'm completely off Facebook nowadays. You know, I was very early in the social media, you know, movement, and um, and um, but I, I, I kind of pulled back from that. So uh, we, as we talked about uh, content, uh, some some of our friends and advisors were suggesting then maybe we do a book. And, um, you know, that that's a process and that takes some time. And I thought, well, as we were brainstorming that, uh, we were talking about uh, a number of topics, including uh, things like these ecosystems, entrepreneurs and ecosystems like Indianapolis or Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And from 2012 to 2016, I helped start and run Centrifuge and their fund of funds, which was backed by big companies like Procter and Gamble and Great American Insurance and Western Southern Kroger mm-hmm. and others, uh, and um, so I learned a lot about sort of the ecosystem uh, challenges uh, yeah. that are out there. And so my mind goes, you know, part of my mind goes there now, right? And what are the opportunities and limitations? And which is partly also why we started Refinery, which is focused on what I call early scale after the seed round. Uh, what we what we found was that um, there's a uh, outside of Silicon Valley, there aren't many entrepreneurs who've ever worked in a company that had hyper growth, hmm. like zero to ten million and beyond, or ten yeah. to a hundred, or a hundred to a billion. And in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of them. There's a concentration yeah. of them, yeah. and that's usually where future founders are trained. Right? They've worked in one of those companies, and they take with them more experience than they understand. And we just don't have that in other areas. So we we said we want to solve that problem by investing at this stage because if we can help companies go from like product market fit to early scale is what we call this stage. Yeah. If we can help them with that transition, raising money gets a lot easier. Uh, I, I, I often call it the first principle, which is capital follows growth. Mm-hmm. Turns out investors just like making money. They don't care where you are. And today in the age of remote work and cloud computing and mobile, there are advantages to being outside of the those kind of crowded, noisy yeah. hubs. And um, so there's a huge opportunity for entrepreneurs. Uh, so that's a gap we're trying to fill. And so there's a lot of different stories and myths that go along with that. And, and when you're talking ecosystem development, they think, oh, very long-term, oh, this is 20, 30-year thing, which is good. We, we should think long-term. However, look at how, how old current unicorns are that go public. Yeah. They're like seven years old. Yeah. Yeah, the sweet spot is like six years, right? Yeah, so I I kind of had this notion of like the seven-year miracle, Mm -hmm. right? Like the the, the next unicorn and leading company in your city is probably right under your nose, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of getting through that early scale and, and, and helping create a market leader. Yeah. And so that's just like one of the stories that we started talking about with the book. And then what emerged was this concept of fast frontiers, meaning there's all sorts of frontiers, not just geographical frontiers. You know, it could be geographical, right? The Midwest or 
or Dubai, as we've learned, or Australia. For sure. Uh, this, this season, we had, you know, many global interviews. Um, but it's also, you know, frontiers of health, health tech, you know, frontiers of marketing, frontiers mm-hmm. of you name it, frontiers of leadership. So we just thought, wow, this is a really interesting topic. We don't really see anybody talking about it yep. uh, in, in this way. And um, the world is getting, and one final point on this, which is, you know, the world is just moving faster, right? And technology, yeah. every company has to think of themselves as a technology company, yep. right? If you look at the churn rate of uh, public companies in the Fortune 500, I mean, if you're not on the bandwagon, you're going to be lost. And COVID helped accelerate the digital transformation of so many companies. Yep. So, um, but it can be dizzying, if you, especially if you don't understand 100%. technology. <laughs> yes. Right. It can be very confusing. These frontiers are moving faster. Mm-hmm. So you need a helpful guide and a way to interpret some of that to understand what's really going on so that you can create some clarity through the chaos yep. and um, and navigate it. And so yeah. that's that's the purpose for Fast Frontiers. And then we thought, I have these conversations all the time. What better way to to do this than just record a podcast and then generate content from that point on. Yes, exactly. One thing I'll tee up for Abby here first though, that she, she knows is my one rule was I can't spend a lot of time on this. Yeah. Like meaning I'm, I'm helping entrepreneurs. Like we're investing. We yep. have to have a process and a mechanism that this can be something we do and, and we're able to crank out in a production sort of way without it being, like creating a custom tailored suit every time. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, are nervous about that. I mean, because there's you, for, for every you, there's another, there's a marketing director, there's a head of product, there's a, you know, CMO, there's a founder that is like, okay, I get it. But we, I, this cannot be my life because I'm building a business. I'm building a product. I'm leading a team. I'm saving lives. You know, I, I can't spend a lot of time on this. So what, right. how have you, how have you solved for that? What does your process look like? I think um, when you're approaching any project, um, you kind of think of like, what are the barriers to entry? What are the ways in which I have to jump over something or things that I have to tackle in order to be successful at this? And that was, Tim set it up perfectly is, you know, our barrier to entry sometimes is time. Yeah. And then sometimes it's resources or finances. And so you kind of had to go through, like, if we want to do a podcast, how do we make it so those barriers to entry are easy to overcome? Mm-hmm. And so the way I convinced him to do it was if you record all of the interviews, I will do everything else. Like we need your storytelling. We need your connections to this to bring it to life. And I promise you, that's the only part you'll, you have to do. Yeah. And yeah. I think I've kept pretty, pretty close to it. You say, how's that working? Yeah, she stays on top of it. And if it wasn't for Abby uh, doing that, uh, it might languish. But, you know, that is also related to kind of one of the f- requirements and why I dragged my feet for a little bit, because I said, if we start it, we have to continue it. Yeah. Right. It, it, it can't start and stop. So mm-hmm. this has to be something that we get good at over time, but that we continue. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. No, and I think um, our, we had come up with this idea or tossed around the idea of a podcast back in 2019 and looking at my notes from, you know, when we were going to really get started on the podcast yeah. was during COVID. Mm-hmm. Things shut down. It's not that work got less busy. Work just shifted. People weren't traveling 
you weren't having to get ready to do all of these different conferences and other things. So it allowed for a little quiet to kind of wrap our heads around it and say, can we do this? Do we want to do it? And then how do we do it? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you answer those questions? <laughs> this year, like doing this for me. Yeah. How are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I I love podcasts. I'm just like a a listener to all podcasts. Never thought I would be working on one. Kind of a dream. Like, wow, I I get to put out something that people can go on Apple Podcasts and hit play on their drive like I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has been the coolest thing is to really then see how it gets made. And I think it takes someone that maybe really enjoys process and is okay with that and is really okay with figuring out how is then the best way to do that process. Mm -hmm. And I learned that the hard way for sure. Season one was way harder than season two, (laughs) way harder because it was the first time I'm doing anything. And I think the best suggestion we give anyone is to surround yourself with people that know how to do this better than you do. Mm -hmm. Always for all things. Yeah, exactly. That's why we have experts. Um, So I don't have the the audio technology background to know how to slice and edit a podcast yeah. to make it sound really good. Um, I also don't have all of the marketing background to say, what do we do with this now that we have it? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was finding um, and learning from two partners in that aspect, which was Astronomic Audio, who does all of our audio engineering there in Canada. And then Content Callout um, really helps us then also in Canada with mm-hmm. taking that content, you know, we have the transcriptions of all of these uh, great interviews. How do we use it to our advantage? And yeah. so we're able to write articles about just summaries of the episodes, which is great to get it not only in audio, but also in text. And then we can also, you know, kind of slice and dice that into different social media posts, um, audiograms, and those became that much easier when in season two, we added cast it into the mix. Um, I think that really also helped in um, making it more my own. Mm-hmm. Casted really, quite frankly, allows you to have more control over the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and thank you for that. But I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Content Callout because they're, thanks to you all, because you introduced them to us and um, they're a partner of ours now. And so uh, now everyone who's listening can also uh, work <laughs> with both of us. And um, and it, it's nice to have have that resource because you have somebody like Content Callout who can help with strategy and execution and then Casted that can help be the platform to make it happen and hopefully lift some of the burden for you all as you are, you know, somebody like Tim's having great conversations and somebody like you, Abby, is making it all, bringing it all to life. So, um, so yeah, it, it works. What advice do, do both of you have uh, for someone else who's listening and thinking, how do we do this? Thought leadership is important. We're having all these great conversations. I get it. What advice do you have? I think one of the first questions was, what's the format? Hmm. Right? Is it just us talking? Is it interview? Is it panels? You know, just what is it? And we decided the easiest thing was just, and best thing was interviews. Just, you know, basically me interviewing entrepreneurs and investors and people, you know, the ecosystem leaders, researchers, you know, whoever. So I think one was that, right? What's what's the right format? Uh, well, actually, before that, it's even audience, right? But that for us, yeah. that was obvious. It was the entrepreneurs. Yeah. But for some, they may have to think about that. Who is the audience? What's the right format? Um, what is the frequency and for me, some of the podcasts I enjoy the most are actually fairly frequent, you know, at least once a week or more because I go back 
Because if you don't go back to something, you kind of forget about it. Yep. Right. So yep. you want it to be recent. And um, and actually, I think it was your idea of packaging it up in seasons. I was just gonna say, and you're doing seasons, which is one of the things I was recommend. Seasons, just yeah. So that was a that was a huge help actually to think about it. So we typically do twelve, you know, twelve or fifteen episodes in a season, mm-hmm. and that helps us a lot in terms of who who do we want to talk to. You know, how do we how do we go out and ask people? Hey, can we you know can we have you on the podcast? Would you like to be on the podcast? Um, and it's it, it um, was a big step in terms of helping us just organize the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Abby? I, I could not live without seasons. Uh, again, it for us it doesn't uh, have a specific theme that we maybe thought it would because sometimes the the seasons kind of come together close to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like, how do you make this happen? It's the the recency. Like you have to have ideas right in front of you of what do I need to do today or in the next week to get these things done. But I have had a one year, two year calendar of when the seasons would be hmm. on my desktop always yeah. so that I know I can plan kind of our, our lives around it. I can plan when, Hey Tim, this is when we're going to need to invite a bunch of people. And we're gonna have to spend some time. That's another you know place that I use his time and energy is we have to go invite people to do this. So we have to have a couple of weeks where we're doing that, a couple of weeks where we're recording, and then a couple of weeks where I'm gonna sprinkle you in for some intros and outros work. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is just reading and approving articles and you know helping push things out when they they go yeah. live. I um, think that's so by those seasons. Sorry. I was just to say that's so that's so important. And um, I've had a few conversations like this where there's there's somebody who's managing it like you, Abby, and there's somebody who's hosting it like you, Tim. And it's like, okay, how are we going to do this? It's like seasons makes it possible because otherwise you get into this feeling where it's going to be always, always, always forever and ever and ever. How am I always going to be doing interviews all the time? And it's like, nope, a couple times a year, we're going to block, we're going to kind of block you off for like a week. Mm-hmm. you know, and this is going to monopolize your time for like a week or, or something that's different for every company, different for every show, but it does, it makes it, it makes it attainable and it helps you get your arms around it. Right. I think one of the other first things was uh, a concern or reticence that, Hey, can I get people to show up? You know, mm-hmm. can I get people to, to want to be interviewed? And um, that is probably easier than you think, right? People love telling their stories um, your your point of the podcast is to make sure that they look good and smart, and you know, <laughs> so it's a it's a good thing, and people are receptive to it. We'll see. Maybe maybe there comes a point when people are doing too many podcasts and they don't. But our experience has been that people love to participate and jump at it, um, and uh, so that's been good. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, you know, well, one of the things we did or Abby did early on that also helped was she listened in on every one of the interviews and took notes. Hmm. Maybe Abby, you could talk about that, but that was a big help, I think. Yeah. I, I think um, just being able to one, I mean, you're going to do some prep beforehand, right? You need to tell your guests a little bit of an idea of these are some of the things we want to talk about because some of the guests Tim has known for years and years and they could dive in and talk about anything but we may not get to the point on something in, you know, 45 minute of recording. So, you know, you already, you prep them a little bit. And so I can listen in and make sure that we are kind of hitting that, but also, you know, Tim's a really good interviewer and it gets easier as you keep doing it. I think, right. Like your first couple, you're like, is, did I do it right? Or like, 
did I transition well? And so I can kind of send some of those behind the scenes notes, like this is going great. Or like, you know, make sure we can land the plane towards this question. Um, And then I can also take notes of like, (laughs) just a reminder that person's uh, internet went out 20 minutes in and then we had to re get back on. So just, you know, it's helpful to know some of these little quirks that happen in any recording. Um, or if someone said something really cool and I can see Tim's reaction to it, it's like, I got to make sure that I send that to content call out or I remember to look for that when I'm doing the editing, that that was really an aha moment. And I think too, that that might actually, I'm guessing, save you time later because otherwise you'd have to go back and listen to it later anyway. Um, so again, of course, depending on how processes work and how you're doing things. So just kind of being in on it in real time kind of saves everybody time. So as we wrap things up, what's one thing that you've both learned that you kind of wish you knew going into it that you would kind of kind of share with others so other people can learn learn that lesson faster? Um, I think for me, this was the one of the first times in a while where my work was so depending, or my work was impacting what everyone else's workflow was. So when you have all these other partners that are helping you make this possible you have to give them a final product for them mm-hmm. to do something with in order to really amplify that episode, right? So just making sure that you're, you're scheduling time to get all these things done was really important for me and under, that everyone understood what the workflow process was going to be like for each season. So mm-hmm. I have onboarding calls before each season with the audio engineers, with content call out to say, this is when we think we're going to have each of the guests roll out per season this is when I'm going to get you the text edits. This is when you're going to get me back the audio edits. And this is when we're going to give you the article back Mm -hmm. so that all of this can align and go out the day that we've said it's going to um, on all the streaming platforms. So making sure everyone's on the same page, just like in any project is, is really important. Yeah. I think, you know, people can, I know people that have big audiences and they don't do as much production as we do. And others that do or do more. And so I think, you know, that just reminds you that the content's the most important thing, right? So when we see what people react to, it's it's the content. Uh, our theory was we wanted to make sure that we were, it was well produced. It was professional. It wasn't sloppy. Yeah. Um, the thing I would say that I'm learning, learned and learning, is to actually schedule the recordings uh, and certain days of the month, like just one whole day or two whole days. I, I know some people that have some very popular podcasts and they'll say they'll do eight recordings in a day. That's a lot. Which I think, I think is a lot. Five. I, 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 mean, that, I was like, never again. This is never happening again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cause if you're doing, if you're, if you're doing a good job and truly listening mm-hmm. and on zoom, it takes energy, right. And you're, and you need to, you need to, you need to think, you need to take some notes. You need to make sure you're guiding the discussion in the right way. So, but on the other hand, as it relates to scheduling and your own mind space, yeah, you know, instead of having interviews like interspersed throughout the week, that also gets kind of rough, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. uh, and and for scheduling the guests, it's easier when you say, "Look, here are the dates we have in the next two or three months when we're doing production." Yep. Right. So they appreciate it. It helps you, you know, contain your time. But I think um, probably four is our. I think we set our limit. Yeah. Four's limit. Three is more comfortable, but four yeah. is is definitely the max. That sounds yeah. right. So, but but grouping them together, I think, is kind of the 
the biggest learning that we've we've gone yeah. through is uh, process improvement. It's a good recommendation. Great. Well, okay. So tell us, you're wrapping up season two. When when are you hoping for season three? When can everybody who's listening join in on that? Season three will start at the end of April and will lead us right into the summer season before we take a break. So if you're looking for that, like, you know, nice spring, early summer inspiration, season three is coming in for that. I love it. Fast Frontiers, you guys are doing really cool conversations. As somebody who's a member of your audience, uh, keep it coming because it's it's really, it's educational, it's entertaining, and you're doing a great job. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for sharing behind the scenes what you all have learned and uh, helping our audience learn along with you. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. And for more from today's guest and some pretty amazing content that they've inspired, visit casted.us and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest on all things Amplified Marketing. B2B Podcasting and a lot more.